I've told you before that when my brother and I were growing up in Huntsville, Alabama, we teased everybody that our real name was John Glenson. Because everybody who would meet us would say, hey, aren't you John Glenson? Yes. Everybody in town knew our dad. Now, what also surprised us was how many of those friends of my father were willing to rat us out. Call my dad. Hey, I saw your son over here. Because when I was growing up in Huntsville, there was that side of town. And the only reason you went to that side of town was to be up to no good. So if I was seen anywhere where somebody didn't think I should be, they would call my dad. I would be even confronted. Sometimes I'd, they would confront me. Hey, what are you doing? Why are you over here? What's going on with you? And I would say sometimes, you don't know me. I know your father. And because they knew my dad, they knew the standard that I was being taught. They knew the standard that I was being held to. Didn't matter who I was. What mattered in that moment was who my father was. Now, every now and then I would get in trouble because of who my father was. I've told you my father was a politician. And sometimes I would run into people and say, hey, aren't you John Glenson, the city councilman? Yes, sir. Will you tell him he doesn't vote for that bridge in my neighborhood? What bridge? And why do I have to go back and tell my dad? So I'd go back, dad, somebody's mad about some bridge. And dad would go, hey, I know who it is. <laughs> well, tell him I don't care. <laughs> my dad made, made, it, made being a Glenn sound like we were royalty. And he would look at me and go, stand up straight, you're a Glenn. Imagine my surprise when I found out we were white trash sharecroppers from a you know, dirt farm in southern Mississippi. But there was a standard simply because who my father was. And what Paul tells us in Romans 8 is there's a standard for no other reason than who our Father is. Stand with me now as we read this section of Romans 8, Paul's letter to that great church in Rome. We're picking up with verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all of those who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons, God's children. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If we indeed suffer with him, so that we may also be 
glorified with him. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. May we hear the good news of being a son of yours, a daughter of yours, in all of his glory, in all of its profoundness, that we will leave here living with peace and joy and confidence and hope for no other reason than who our Father is. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father. Most of us don't realize how radical that teaching of Jesus is. How it shook the world that he was in when he said, you pray to God, the creator of heaven and earth, you pray to him using the word Abba, Father. He loves you like a father. Now, if you grew up like I did with a great role model as a dad, that's pretty easy to understand. I've told you before that my father took me to work with him on several occasions. My dad worked on the radar system of the Hawk missile. He would take me in this room full of radar scopes where he trained the, the soldiers who would be working on the Hawk missile. And they had, you know, row after row of radar scopes where he would train them. And he would turn on one and we would track a plane taking off out of Atlanta. And it was fascinating. So to me, it made real big sense real good sense, that God had radar. He would have radar like my dad, just bigger. And if he wanted it to rain in Tennessee, he would type it in, rain in Tennessee, it'd come up, rain in Tennessee. That made sense to me. So when the pastor told me that God loves you like a father just more, I was able to understand that. Then I got to Kairos. And we were teaching the Lord's Prayer, and we got stuck on that phrase. We got stuck because so many of them had broken relationships with their dad, abusive relationships from their father, that they literally would emotionally freeze them. So we had to stop for weeks and unpack this. And I had to tell them, listen, this is a metaphor. This is a word picture. This is a way that Jesus is trying to help us understand the way God loves us. If this doesn't work for you, he gave us other metaphors. Uh, Good shepherd, uh, warrior, uh, king. Uh, There are all kinds of word pictures in there trying to help us understand what is impossible to understand. If this metaphor doesn't work, then find another metaphor. It also helped me understand Galatians 6. Where Paul tells the fathers, do not frustrate your children. Now, as a father, that's a disappointing command, right? The bar's real low, right? Your your kids will be fine as long as you don't hack them off. 
then I understood. What Paul was telling the fathers of his congregation is, don't make it hard for your children to understand I love them like a father. Don't make it hard for your kids to understand I love them like a father. We've been working to this moment through the whole book of Romans. At the end of chapter 7, Paul screams out our favorite prayer. Who is going to save me from this body of death? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing anyway. And he screams out in frustration. Verse 1 of chapter 8 reminds us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we start talking about the transformation that ends up with you being a child of God. Adopted. Chosen, picked, you being a child of God. And because you are a child of God, he says, you are now heir to all that God has. Like Christ is an heir of the Father, you are an heir of the Father, entitled because of your relationship with God the Father to all that God has. And because of that, you are no longer slave to the flesh. You don't have to make those bad decisions and you're not trapped by your bad decisions or victim to decisions you've made before. Now, anytime we hear the word flesh, we think of, of gross stuff, we think of nasty stuff. This, uh, f- the word flesh is anytime you're trying to control your own destiny. Anytime you're trying to put yourself in a position where God has to do something. Anytime you're trying to t- trust a contract with God, rather than a covenant. Most of us want a contract. Most of us want party of the first part, party of the second part. Party of the first part has to do these things. Party of the second part has to do these things. And if I do these things, then God is obligated then to do what I need him to do. That's a contract. The Father never responds to us out of obligation. It's always out of love and it's always immeasurably more than we could imagine. Immeasurably more than we could imagine. The second thing that we mess up in this verse is we always assume that being an heir of God is about stuff have a bunch of stuff. Well, if you look at the original heir of the father, the son, Jesus Christ, he didn't have a whole lot of stuff. He didn't need it. He didn't need stuff to validate him. And let's let's understand, we're caught in a culture where stuff validates you. Where you have a certain car, And that car says something about who you are. You have a certain house. 
Because where you live says a certain thing about who you are. Jesus never had a house. He didn't need the outside validation. The validation of the Father was enough. You are heir to everything Jesus Christ has. Don't settle for the confusion that the world offers. What the world calls blessing and what the Father calls blessing aren't the same thing. What the world calls blessing and what the Father calls blessing aren't the same thing. One of the lessons we learned from the COVID pandemic, quarantine, is one, we kind of like being at home at night with our family some. And we have way too much stuff. You are an heir to everything that Christ has. And you're in the family business. Yeah. Whenever we read this passage, we talk about being an heir. We talk about all we're going to get. We don't talk about what is asked of us. We don't talk about how if you are in the family of God, if you are a son or if you are a daughter of his, you're in the family business. And that family business is the redemption of the world. Did you see that last sentence? If you suffer with him, you will be glorified with him. If you suffer with him, you will be glorified with him. It doesn't mean if you suffer. It means when you align yourself and let everybody know who your father is, you will be asked by this world to pay a price. They will demand it of you. They will say to you, we may not know who you are, but we know who your father is. And your father demands complete allegiance and total loyalty, and we are in rebellion against that. And so in order to get to him, we will hurt you. We know how they treated Jesus. What makes you think they will not treat us the same way? John and Peter were arrested, interrogated, beaten. And they left the religious leaders and went back to the church and praised God that they were worthy to celebrate the name. Let me break this down for you Alabama style. 
Peter and John went back to the church and said, thank God the world knows whose side we're on. They recognized the jersey we're wearing and they know we belong to him. Interesting question, isn't it? Does the world know that you are his? Does the world know that you're in the family? Now, there's some interesting privileges in being in the family. There's always room for you. There's always a seat at the table. Your father can always be found. You can walk in and he'll hear you and he'll respond to you. But there's responsibilities to find those who do not yet know that there's adoption papers ready for them to sign. Have you seen those videos on YouTube where a child has been in foster care and on Christmas or Father's Day or something will hand their father an envelope and say to them, will you adopt me? Will you make it official? Have you seen those videos? It's usually a big manila envelope and the father will take it out and there'll be all these legal documents and the child will say, you need to sign here. And when you do, you'll be my father. That's not how this video goes. This video is the father coming to you, handing you the document and say, I've already signed it. I signed it with my blood on Calvary's cross. I want to be your father. I want to make sure you have a name. I want to make sure you know who you are. I want to make sure that you know your destiny. If you'll sign. I would hate for any of you, for whatever reason, to leave this place and not know who your father is. Not know how much you're loved.
I might not know how much the Father desires, longs for an intimate, close relationship with you where you're safe and you can share heart to heart in a conversation that the universe can't hear. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You have a father. You're a co-heir with Christ. You have a name. Let's pray together. I know sometimes it's hard to understand how much the Father loves you. I understand that you're thinking it can't be that easy. It's not easy. It's impossible for us. What is impossible for us, God himself in Christ Jesus has done. Paid for our mistakes, paid for our failures, paid for our sins. Brought healing to our brokenness restored us to our rightful place as his child. Now I know I've said a whole lot in a handful of words. That's why our ministers are waiting out for you in the parlor. They're waiting for you out in the uh, atrium there. You'll find them. They want to have the chance to talk to you more about what this means. I beg you. Don't leave this place till you know who your father is. Perhaps it's to become part of the Brentwood Baptist family. We'd love to have you join us on our journey as we serve the kingdom here. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you. Sometimes life catches you. We get it. We'll wait for you as you come. Our Lord waits for you right where you are. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray now the decisions we make are exactly what you want. 